When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of of the Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Clem. Happy playoffs and happy new year, everybody. Um, we are back with the crew, Kevin and Savannah. Um, we have a winner of our six-pack picks competition. Also have a couple – we're going to talk the coaching carousel, some college football playoff. And Kevin's got some really weird stuff for us in sports, plus playoff picks because, you know, we could not leave that out. It's kind of like a five-pack, but there's no beer being cracked today, folks. So here we go. First off, guys, uh, news today, Ron Rivera – was hired as the Redskins head coach, and his defensive coordinator is Jack Del Rio. We're going to jump right into the coaching right away. A um, couple other news, uh, John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens both fired. No surprise there. And the Giants keep Dave Gettleman and let go of Pat Shermer. So there are a few other moves around, you know, smaller, bigger, whatever. But let's ju- dive right into it, guys. What was your biggest reaction like, what was the biggest takeaway you had from the, like, you know, Black Monday? Kev? Well, the fact that Jason Garrett still has a job is shocking. Like, it it makes no sense. And after, I'm surprised that after Bill Belichick basically promised to open up his world to Josh Daniels, the team is allowing other teams to interview him for jobs. You mean Josh McDaniels? Yes, sorry. It's all right. I, I pronounced it Justin Her- Herbert for like half a season or was it Hebert, whatever it was. I pronounced it wrong. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no. The Josh McDaniels thing is odd to me because I'm hearing so much on the radio like, oh, if McDaniel leaves, Brady's leaving. I'm like, oh, well, Brady is, Brady is a free agent, but like it just doesn't seem right seeing him in another uniform. It almost. But then again, Peyton left the Colts, but that was a little more obvious. So for me, right off the bat, the Jason Garrett thing is odd because, one, they've been pushing back this so-called meeting for, like, a couple days now. Like, th- it should have happened after they got eliminated. It should happen the day after. It's been almost oh, – it's been five or six days now. Yeah, I guess there was a holiday in the middle. By the way, Nike, you're killing me with this holiday shipping. Um, I, I'm looking at the Cowboys in – if I I'm trying to look at it without be having my Eagles fan filter on, and as an Eagles fan, it's making me laugh hysterically. But as a football 
like, you know, a member of the media and a, a guy who has to report on football to, you know, our viewers. What in God's name is Jerry doing at this point? Like, I heard Cowherd today was talking about, you know, maybe he's trying to find a position for Jerry. He's trying to stall to see if he can get, like, you know, an Urban Meyer or a Lincoln Riley. But in my head, if I am Jerry, neither of those guys make sense for what Jerry wants. One, Jerry has never done well with strong-minded head coaches, as I mentioned on uh, Thursday. We're talking about, you know, uh, Bill Parcells and Jimmy Johnson. Yes, Johnson won Super Bowls, but then, uh, you know, him and Jerry had a little spute and Barry Switzer came in for a victory lap. It's, to me, I we could even go down the road about Urban Meyer as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Cowboys thing was definitely, like, the biggest, like, what is going on? Because everyone was projecting, even before the Philly game, even unless Dallas won the Super Bowl, Garrett was gone. So, to me, I look at this and I'm just saying, like, this just proves the incompetence or the lack of the lack of stability as an organization that Dallas has. They try so much to be, a, like, a family business, but they're too big of a brand. They need to – if they were ever to run more efficiently, Jerry would have to basically just take his hands off the, the reins a little bit. Bob Kraft, Jeffrey Lurie, and, uh, you know – Shotgun, these all the good, better, good owners in the league. They have all kind of even the Mara family as well. Even though their teams are garbage right now, you can take your hands off the gas a little bit and let the team work. Half the owners of the NFL, nobody knows their names. So the only reason I know the Panthers' owner's name is because he got in a lot of trouble. But basically, the one thing about Jerry is it's about Jerry. And at some point, you don't want to turn to Al Davis, and that's the road I've been seeing him slowly creep down for the past four or five years. And this season was just proof of that because he's kept a, a, co- a, co- a coach who is just so incompetent and ha- doesn't clearly doesn't have the respect of his players uh, about uh, if you want to see the uh, high five gate. But I just I don't like it just cracks me up. And, you know, we knew John I, John Dorsey getting fired, though, also kind of surprised me. But I'm ranting. Savannah, what was your biggest surprise of the first couple days of the offseason for, you know, non-playoff teams? Well, to head on the Jason Garrett thing, I mean, his contract expires on the 14th anyway, so I think they're just waiting for that. And I feel like they're so faithful to him that they're doing everything that they can to try to find, like, a position in the Cowboys so he can kind of, like, stay a Cowboy. I don't think that there's – I mean, yeah, he might get, like, let go as the head coach, but I think Jerry likes him too much to not keep him in the organization. I mean, I agree. And the thing is with Jason Garrett, it – if, if it was anybody but Garrett, I would be – they would have been firing already. It would have been like, you know, he's gone. He's going to take a coordinator job somewhere else, anywhere from like New York to, to Philly to San Diego to whatever. He's going to go get a coordinator job and, you know, hop back on the coaching carousel because you're only dead till you're alive again in NFL coaching circles. Look at Kubiak. Kubiak, Kubiak got run out of Houston. A couple years later, he wins a Super Bowl in uh, Denver. So – it's just – it's basically what NFL coaching is, and um, I don't know. I, uh, I look at the Cowboys, and just this just proves to me like they just – they are turning into the Raiders of five, ten years ago. I think that's all well and good, but I think the weirdest part is not that they're waiting for his contract to expire, not that they're looking for a way to keep him in the organization. It's the fact that they've met three times. 
if what are they what, what are they doing? Like, what is yeah, this meeting? If they're waiting to try and figure out something to do, or they're just waiting for his contract to expire, that's you know one meeting. Like, hey, we're looking for a new role for you, or hey, we're just waiting for your contract to expire. We're not resigning you, and we're not going to fire you though. We're just going to let you walk. That doesn't take three meetings. If Jerry Jones even knows how a smartphone works, that's a text. <laughs> What are they meeting for beers at the bar? Or like they're having a whiskey and a cigar talking about like the good old days of the Cowboys. Like I'm trying to understand what happens. I, I completely, you know, cause now I'm thinking about it because I saw they met like earlier, like last week or end of, end of last week. They met twice this week now, or no once this week. And they're going to meet again today. They met. What is, what is going on? Like there was a false rumor that the whole coaching staff was getting wiped out. I do think they got to dump Kellen Moore. I think that experiment looked good on paper, but you saw when the Cowboys got down, the dude scrambled to come back, and they, they it showed in the play calling. But I don't know. Can we, I just I, we can talk about the Cowboys all we want, but I mean, there's a, there, the other one. The other interesting scenario is uh, Cleveland. It, it's it's interesting to me because I. As much as I was calling for John Dorsey's job since like the end of the year, since the beginning of the year, because I just think he's an incompetent GM, he's all bark no bite. Basically, I said this. Uh, I said this to a couple uh, people who were talking to me this uh, this week about looking forward to the show. I said, don't be surprised if this is the nail in the coffin for Odell and Cleveland. John, it ain't John Dorsey's team anymore. He's gonna have to own up for it. They're going to keep Jarvis Landry because, you know, he's one of Baker's – He Baker prefers throwing the ball. They're going to keep Njoku. They're going to keep Chubb. Kareem Hunt's probably going to walk. And they're going to start over. And they they may have a shot at McDaniels, even though highly unlikely. They may have a once-in-a-generation shot in Urban Meyer, one in a million, whatever you want to call it. Or they may just find a decent head coach. The, the best thing is – Nothing is worse. Nothing is worse than Freddie Kitchens, which is the upside to Cleveland. They had so much talent, they were able to win. Uh, what? Savannah, five games, six games. What this season? Yeah, six games, five or six games, right? Six games. Six games. With the most incompetent head coach I've seen mm-hmm. in a very long time. Right. Think of how many more they would have won if they actually had a competent head coach. Well, they could have been, instead of being six and ten, they definitely could have been like ten and six. All right, I'm gonna pump the brakes on that one. Even with a good head coach, they would have been eight and eight. Because no, I don't think so. Because literally, Freddie Kitchens is the worst freaking play caller I've yeah. ever seen. Now I understand the Browns have problems executing in the red zone. That's not Kitchens necessarily his whole fault, but he is still the worst play caller I've literally ever seen. There could have been so many games that are like switched, like the game against the Rams, the ending. They could have, you know, like. Yeah, I know. The thing is with the Browns schedule, the Browns back end schedule was a joke. The problem why they lost games was not just because of kitchens. It was a two pronged thing. They had no offensive line at all. And they didn't address it at all at the deadline. They refused to. They had they basically had the Eagles saying, Take Vitae. All we want is a decent return. And the endorse like, nah, nah, we're good. Our offensive line's good. Their offensive line, I think, ranked in the bottom three in PFF. I'd have to get clarification. I know number one, the number one worst was, I think, Miami. Or it might have been Miami or Houston. It was one of those two. But they were top, they were bottom five. And that's why they would only go about eight and eight. Because they, 
a lot of the games they lost, they lost by so much that coaching wouldn't have mattered. Regardless if it could have been freaking Curly Lambeau out there, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> because that the raw the roster unfortunately was built for years ago. Where basically where pass rushers aren't as effective as they are now. And Baker still would have been like running for his damn life every other play. So regardless of who's coaching the ball. So the biggest thing for the Browns, new GM, whoever it is, new coach, fix the old one. Your defense is fine. Defense is great. You're gonna get Miles Garrett back at some point. You're gonna you have two lockdown corners. One lockdown corner, one really good corner. You have good safeties. You have good weapons on offense. Fix the O-line. That's your biggest issue. The best team, the most consistent winning teams in the league all have good O-lines. Dallas, Philly, uh, Indy, even though they had no quarterback this year, that blew their entire roster up. But when they had a good quarterback and a good O-line, fine. And they do have a decent, a good quarterback. So that's the that's the secret secret sauce they're missing. Kev? I think, I think we can talk about how Freddie Kitchens – and John Dorsey this, and their next coach that. But I think there's one issue that doesn't have to do with the field, doesn't have anything to do with coaching or how the team's together, and it's Jimmy Haslam. There you go. This team has been, has not had a winning season, or like for a decade has not won since they've come into the league, or back in the league in 99. No, they, won, they were winning. Weren't they winning record in 97? I mean, 80, no, they, uh, no, 07? Maybe, but I don't oh, think. Nine, they missed, yeah, they went nine and seven, but they got they missed the playoffs. I think. Yeah. So, and I think Jimmy Haslam should just sell the team. He can't get the right people in charge to run the team. He got a decent team with Dorsey, but hired the wrong coach. I think Dorsey should have gotten another year with a competent coach. And I think Jimmy Haslam is the biggest issue this team has, and they will not win anything meaningful as long as he's the owner. I, I agree. And I wanted to, when I look at the three, um, when you look at a, a quarterback, like a system as a coach, uh, football teams, whatever, you want four things. I'm going to, I'm going to copy a well-known sportscaster on this because he says it, it's completely true to be a competent, um, a competent and consistent organization. You need to have four things at all times. Good to elite quarterback. Okay, yeah, Baker's good. Uh, good, good to a gr- good to great head coach, a solid, respected, and you know, well, well versed GM. And you need to have an owner who knows when to pull his foot off the gas and leave you alone. No. So what? There, like you look at um, Kev, your Patriots. Let's go down the list. Bob Kraft, probably one of the top three best owners in the league by no question. You got Bill Belichick. As much as he struggles in the draft, player acquisition and free agency and trades is second to none. Then he's also the head coach, and he's probably the greatest head coach of all time. And then you got Tommy Brady. You even look at my Eagles. As much as, you know, they're up and down injuries, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, even though he struggles a lot with sometimes, and it makes me want to, like, you know, hit a wall. And then you have Jeffrey Lurie, who's also one of the better owners in the league. And then you go out to Baltimore with with – Ozzie Newsom, now his replacement. You've got, I can't even remember the owner of the team right now. It's killing me. But, oh, it's the Models. And then you have John Harbaugh, who's been there since I was in middle school. And now you have Lamar Jackson. Before he had Joe Flacco, who was an elite, but he was good. That's how you build a good franchise. Even, Savannah, even your Packers now, they have a good ownership. The city of Green Bay, who just basically lets the GM run the whole thing. You've got, 
you have a good GM now instead of Ted Thompson, who basically kept you guys in the dark ages. LaFleur, jury's out. Let's see him finish, finish a game. And Aaron Rodgers, talent speaks for itself. So that's how you build a team. It's great having a superstar wide receiver, but just ask, um, you know, Houston and, uh, you know, um, Atlanta and L.A. and Tampa and Cleveland and the New York Giants when they had Odell. Ask him how it is to have a top five receiver, how that really works. The only team right now is a top five receiver, but they're run right is New Orleans, and they drafted their guy. And the Packers. Yeah, that's true. I give I give Devontae. You said top five. Yeah, Devontae's number six. Top, top five. No. No. Okay. I would take um, I would take Adams. I no, it's Adams. I would take um, Julio. I take A. Not A. B. Julio. De, um, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, and then. Hmm. <sighs> Give me a second. Diggs. Yep. No. Or, or Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Keenan <laughs> Allen is the most disgusting. Keenan Allen is like the most disgusting route runner on the planet. That guy, for for a guy who doesn't possess four four speed, basically is open every time you look at him. It's just Phil River. If he had a halfway accurate quarterback, he would be one of the top five best, top three best receivers in the league. But he got a freak injury and has basically Philip Rivers with a blindfold as his quarterback. So, yeah, no, it's Keenan Allen's oh. my top five. Tyreek Hill. I would take Hill over Adams. Ooh, actually, you know what you're thinking about? Because, like, with Adams, you can take him out of a game by doubling him. You can't double Tyreek Hill. He'll fly by your safety. Yeah. You basically have to deck him, and that's a penalty. So I would, I would even even give Hill. So I'd give, I'd give Devontae Adams a top seven grade. But, like, yeah, he's, he's an elite receiver. There's a lot of elite receivers, but he's, like, number seven. Only because... You can't take him out of a game. You cannot take Hop out. You cannot take Julio out. You cannot take out Mike Evans. You cannot take out Keenan Allen. You cannot take. You basically have to shoot Phil Rivers from not to get the ball to Keenan Allen at some point. Ooh. And you can't cover Tyreek Hill. It was a down year, but OBJ, I'd still take him over Adams. Yeah, that too. You because can't OBJ, double OBJ. OBJ does, OBJ does everything that Devonte Adams does and has breakaway speed. I, I wrote a whole – my second article of Belly Up was this, and Devontae Adams was an honorable mention, and I stuck by it. I he, I think now he's better than Thielen and Diggs. I, I, I disagree with him with Diggs' take because Diggs can be – Diggs can disappear, but I also feel like that's also due to his quarterback. But I would still put Adams at like seven or eight, only because he can disappear for games, and that's not a elite receiver trait, but he's got elite talent and a good quarterback. So I would also kind of throw a little bit of shade at Matt LaFleur on that one. We got off topic, Kev. What we co- we got to uh, – any more other stuff you guys want to talk about with the coaching carousel? You guys want to move on to college football? Let's move on to college football. I am so down because we just went 17 minutes on that, and we somehow got into receivers. Kev, this is like the time that we ranked the running backs in the middle of a show because we got in an argument. Yeah, pretty much. That was a great show. A lot of fun. Kev made me a believer in Derrick Henry that day. Roll Tide, baby. No, he's just a war. That bad boy's a war horse. That's basically what it is. Um, no, I'm terrified for this weekend. Oh, God, he's going to run for 200 yards. What you shouldn't be terrified about is the fact that Ryan Tannehill is probably going to throw four picks. No, oh, yeah, I'm not worried about Tannehill. Just be worried about that big man with dreadlocks running down the field the size of a tight end. Yep. 
All right, college will play off. I watched both games. I fell asleep for about five minutes during the Clemson Ohio State game because I was exhausted, but I may I managed to get up for the final two minutes. Oh my god! I not the LSU Clemson the um Clemson Ohio State. Sorry, but LSU Oklahoma. So here's how my Saturday went, boys and girls. I forgot to get beer at the liquor store, so I drive down the hill. I go into my local liquor store. I'm talking to the guys, and I keep getting updates on my phone. And the liquor store owner, who I know very well, goes, hey, so what's the score? I look down. I'm like, it's 28-7. He goes, what, what time? I'm like, it's the first quarter. He goes, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch this for five minutes when I get home and go play Xbox because this isn't even going to be worth watching. I watched until halftime and basically was like, it's like watching a Madden game on, all, on like, easy. It was it was awful. Like I, Oklahoma just doesn't have the physicality for an SEC team. They're fast, but speed doesn't mean jack when you can't hang on the ball. I mean, C.D. Lamb had a great game, but he also had a really bad drop. It just it just looked ugly. Any other thoughts you guys have that I haven't covered yet, or what? I feel bad for Jalen. I do too. I, I love Jalen Hurts is a good. I really hope he gets to, he goes he gets like a Dak kind of shot where he's like a fourth round pick. Goes to a team with a quarterback who's injury prone. I also think this that game shows how weird the college football playoff is. Because I'm not saying Alabama should be in, should have been in. I have not said that at any point. Mm-hmm. However, you're Oklahoma, you're gonna put them at four and they get blown out. Alabama would not have gotten blown out by LSU. I don't care who's starting at quarterback. Oh, I know. I have another point. I'm gonna jump I'm gonna you mind if I piggyback that point quick? Go for it. Okay, so wait, is it about Miami? No, it's not. Okay, then. I promise. I, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I promise. Until they make some moves in fixing their coaching staff, thank God Danny Nose got fired. Um, that may have been the worst hire of all time. I will not bring up Miami until something positive happens, and until so, until like, they pull Mario Cristobal or something. I'm not saying Jack, but anyway, I digress. Kevin, you are on point. It's not. Alabama's skill itself, its styles of play. Now, you know as much as I know, this could be boiled down to something as simple as Pop Warner, Madden through high school, and to the NFL. Teams play certain styles, and they can't beat certain styles. The Packers can beat finesse teams. They're the best, one of the best finesse teams. They have a great system for it. But when you play a physical team like Philadelphia, it gives you night, it gives you trouble. But same thing with San Francisco. They are not built to play teams that have a good edge rush. Like a, a versatile edge rush, like a Jadavian Clowney, Ziggy Anza kind of thing. They struggle against that. You Philadelphia cannot beat when they had no secondary. And, and same thing with um, New England. New England struggles against the run. Philadelphia struggles against the deep ball. That's how they lose. But they can beat teams who can run the ball, and New England can beat teams that throw the ball. It's how teams are set up. In the in the in the college football this year, unfortunately, the Big 12 is becoming what the Pac-12 used to be. Where it's just solid speed, there is no finesse, there's no power. It's turned into basically, like bang, quick score, bang, quick score. It's it's worse than it was during the air raid days of Mike Leach at um at Texas Tech with Graham Harrell. It's worse than that because now you've got this team that like you know you got these crazy scoring games. You all knew that happened already. And this is why I made a case for a Pac-12 team because at least Oregon and Utah play semi-physical. I mean, yes, they're not like monster SEC teams, but they could probably hold their own better than a Big 12 team. Like, I don't even want to know how badly Baylor would have gotten smacked. Like, because they couldn't block at all any of Oklahoma's um, 
players in that overtime. So the Big 12 itself has a problem now because they're all about speed and finesse and, and spread. And every other conference, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big 10, is just like, yeah, no, that's not what wins in the next level. So we're going to just, like, you know, set up our team normally, you know, have some power, some speed, be balanced. Instead of this high-scoring, like, arena football offense that all these Big 12 teams run. And you're seeing this is the uh, Lincoln Riley's now what 0 and 3 now in the college football playoff, and it's the same thing every year. They've run into an SEC buzzsaw. This year was an offensive team. Last year was a defensive team. It doesn't matter who they send out of that conference; they're going to get smoked. It didn't even have to do with the teams it was. They just ran into you know the, one of the best offensive teams in the last 10 years, and they can't stop anybody on defense because they're not physical at all. So basically, it was like running a practice squad scrimmage for the Tigers. Two points on that. Yes. One, I think this year is – I agree with you. I think this year is not the best time to kind of showcase that because I think regardless of who LSU plays, they LSU is going to win. This might be one of the best college football teams ever. And I know that there were Alabama teams back in the 60s and 70s. Jared, you're going to point to Miami of the 90s and the early 2000s. And the 80s too. Just, just better. But I think with LSU, with the wins they've had, with blowing a team out in the college playoffs, I think they might be. And also about the Big 12 schools kind of changing their play style, I think no one wants to do that because they would be caught in kind of no man's land for a couple years while they get the players they want to change styles. And oh, no, they just recruit the players they want. That's what it's turned into. You see, you're seeing it already. It's been going on for the past five years. But, like, you think of the Big 12 a couple years ago. They had great running backs coming out. They, they used to run the football in the Big 12, like with Texas. And, you know, Texas had like, you know, uh, the Foreman brothers. And then you had a Houston with, uh, I mean, you, you, Oklahoma had to go all the way back to Adrian Peterson and DeMarco Murray. There were physical running teams back then. But now everything is like spread offense, pass, think and dunk. And it just doesn't work. What was the last time you saw a Big 12 running back get drafted? Like high. Uh, can't think of one off the top of my head. There probably is one, but I'm just not it's thinking. It's going to be it. like a second or third round pick, and they're a bust. I can't think of one off the top of my head. That's actually like a top 20 running back. All your good running backs come out of the Big Ten, the SEC, or the ACC. Or even a couple Pac-12 guys, too. And there's always a couple small school guys as well. But you never get a successful back out of the Big 12 because all they are is basically a fifth receiver. I hate watching Big 12 games. It's like watching Rita football. It just bored me after a while. It's just like, oh, my God, it's 77 to 50. Great. Whew. But, uh, yeah, that's that was my opinion on that game. Savannah, any thoughts on LSU and uh, Oklahoma? Well, after your 50-minute um, you know, rant part two. Um, <laughs> it is my show. I am the host, but, you know. True, true. Not arguing. Uh, I think – I mean, I think LSU looked great. There was – a point in time at like obviously like maybe the first five minutes of the first quarter where Oklahoma was actually like I thought they had a chance I thought they were you know they looked decent they were keeping they were keeping up and then they just I don't know how they fell apart so fast like normally I feel like college teams they keep up in the first half and then the better team just like takes off in the second half but they just, they literally fell apart. I mean, Ellis is a phenomenal team. Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback. So, who was actually shocked that LSU won, though, to be honest? <laughs> Nobody. I mean, I, I, okay, so I, I really regret the fact, I think I said that it was going to be close and we thought 
because Jalen Hurts has a lot of playoff experience. I just forgot what team he plays for. So that was my fault for even thinking it was going to be closer than it really was. But, you know, I did say it was either going to be close, like a little too eerily close or it was going to be an absolute blowout. So I was kind of half right. I'll take that as a moral victory. Now, other than the late game, the game that had me glued to my seat from 8 o'clock until I passed out of my couch from exhaustion, the Ohio State Buckeyes took on the Clemson Tigers, and it was the Trevor Lawrence show. That oh, man ever. That man was on fire. Like, this is why I think people are so high. I wasn't, like, completely sold on him being, like, the elite prospect. Was, I knew he was going to be a good quarterback in the NFL in the next level. That game proved to me intangible. Like, I knew he had the tools, but, like, you have to have that factor in your head to go win big games when your team is just doing jack. Um, holy Moses. Um, yeah. They beat the – it was it was the Trevor Lawrence show. Like, ETN had, like, a, a couple – had, like, a good run, but – Zach Dobbins was dominating them the entire first half. And I was looking like, is this really happening right now? Is is this going to happen? Is Ella, is Ohio State going to like just smack Clemson? And then I thought to myself, I'm like, it's early. Then I saw Trevor Lawrence get ticked off and basically lead two unanswered touchdowns and go to the half. I'm like, all right. This is a ball game. Now... I want to dress the elephant in the room because I saw a certain co-host of mine tweet angrily about a certain uh, reverse call. Uh-huh. By college and NFL rules, if the player cannot move forward in a football movement and the ball gets knocked out, it's an incomplete pass. That's the way it's written. Not, not verbatim, but basically that's how it's summarized, is that if he cannot make a football move – and it's within, you know, the realm of the catch. It gets knocked out. It's incomplete pass. Because basically the guy was getting pushed back as he was catching the ball. And then he gets kept driving back and the ball gets punched out. I could see in – I could see how you would think it's a fumble. Because when you slow anything down, anything can look like a fumble. Especially if you see, you start counting the steps. But the way it went bang, bang across the board, like the play worked, it was too quick the ball was out way too fast to be considered a fumble. That's why they reversed it. And, yes, that was a game-changing play, but LSU had a whole half to go. That's why Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence, and I was not sold in Ohio State. But that's that's my opinion on it because I actually went after, like, the next day I woke up and actually looked up what the rule was to make sure that I'm not, like, just seeing all this crap on Twitter for nothing. Like, it really was the right call. Yes, it wasn't. The most opportune timing because because Ohio State ran the back for a touchdown. And after that, the momentum seemed like it never really shifted back to them. But the better team won. And when I like I said before on the the show before, I said simply this: the team with the better quarterback and the more experienced head coach and probably better head coach will win a close game. It always happens in college ball. And Trevor Lawrence has been there before. Debo Sweeney's been there before a lot. Ryan Day, this is his first like big, big experience with it. And then you have Justin Fields, who was a backup last year. It's 
it just made it just that just it, it was how it's going to go. Yes, yeah, so Ohio State was a great is a great team. They are clearly the number three best team in the country, no question. But they just weren't good enough to beat Clemson, and they probably would have gotten smoked by LSU. Clemson actually will probably put up a fight against LSU, and it's going to be one hell of a game. I texted Kevin. I said, listen, I am root. I if I seeing a Clemson LSU, I wasn't really rooting for Clemson, but like a Clemson LSU final will be epic. Uh, like I'm going to sit in front of my couch with a bucket of chicken wings, a six pack of beer, and watch the amazement. I might have my buddies come over. Kev, you want if you want to take a couple of days off, come down to Connecticut. Like it's gonna be like something like I have to watch it. I don't care who wins. I just want to see like an like an a USC Texas kind of final because that's what this is going to be. It's stars all over the place, future first round picks, and it, the two teams that were going to win won. That's the way I look at it. Kev, what do you think of the Ohio State uh, Ohio State game? I think over. I I disagree with overturning the call. I think whatever they called it on the field, I don't think there was enough to change that. If they had said it was incomplete as is and they looked at it, I think they should have stuck with that. They ruled it a fumble. They should have ruled it as that. However, on second and nine or third and nine or whatever it is, you can't throw a pick to no one in the middle of the field when you're going for a game-winning drive. I think Justin Fields... Next year, they might be back there again, and I think Justin Fields will learn from that. I don't think this is a bad team, but I think that that's the real reason they lost. Of course, the pick to end the game, yes, but it was Justin Fields' decision-making. And this this game also didn't really matter as much. It's basically the who's going to lose to LSU play-in game. He's right. I mean— I'm hoping that at the end, I mean, I don't agree with the whole, like if you, if it's, if the call is wrong, you got to change it. Cause that like, unfortunately, if they don't pull that off and like, then they look back at it and they're going to say, Oh, they missed this call. It was not, it was not a fumble. And you are going to hear, hear, never hear the end of it. They blew the call dead. And you know, both sides, one side's going to get burned on a call like that. Unfortunately, that's how football is. I think the rest made the right call because that's, the the actual rule so that you can at least cling to that should they have overturned it was there enough was there enough evidence maybe not enough in the most people's eyes but if you look at it it's what the rule should have been and it bang bang enough where you could you could see why they called it an, an incomplete pass after they overturned it do i but i do see the other side of the argument because it was initially called a fumble usually in those situations though i'm surprised they didn't blow it dead because usually that's the usual reaction from a ref. That's the one thing that kind of was weird. Like, they did not blow that dead when it should have been blown dead. So, I don't know. Savannah, I know you've been chomping the bit. Uh, what, did you, what, did you, what was your uh, reaction? We, I mean, I did see Cody's snap of you, but... Uh... <laughs> um, well, it was a fumble, first of all. He had four steps. He was literally turning and tucking the ball and before Three. it got kicked out, he took – You can literally rewatch it. He literally took four steps. But he didn't make a football move. Right. Sure. Okay. So then – so even if that wasn't – so even – whatever. So it wasn't a fumble. So then they came back and they scored a touchdown. It pisses me off that we literally couldn't come back and score any points. 
But then suddenly, like, the game's over, or the game's almost over, and we're driving down the field, and I'm like, holy shit, he's going to pull an Aaron Rodgers, he's going to come out, he's going to win, everything's going to be great. And then he throws an interception. Chris Olave literally ran the wrong route. Okay, so there was miscommunications. He came out and said that he was running the wrong route because he thought that Justin Fields was scrambling when he wasn't yet. He was supposed to be in the middle of the field. So he wasn't, and I mean— But he I, threw it to no one. It wasn't like a—he threw it expecting a guy to be there, but as a quarterback, if you want to win a national championship, you have to know that the defenses you're going up against are some of the best in the country. You can't go, oh, my guy should be there. Because even if his guy was there, that would have been defended and still potentially intercepted based on where the safety was. Okay, but if he actually ran the right route, you're telling me that Chris Olave, one of the best receivers for Ohio State, is not going to catch that? You also have to look at him because he had two defenders right by him where he should have been. All right. You have to look at also from a quarterback's perspective here, and is that Justin Fields, there's not just only one read on a play like that. There's multiple reads. So if your first read isn't there – you talk and you roll. That's what a, a college football prospect does. You can't just say, oh, he's not there. I'm going to throw it anyway. That's, that shows a lack of discipline on Justin Fields' route and the fact that Ryan Day clearly didn't develop him enough this year to know, oh, crap, he's not there. I have to go to read number two or read number three, which is – it's it's not on Fields' fault because he's only – it's only his first year starting. But when you go – and I this is what drives me crazy when they try – people try to like – you know, say, oh, the, it's the receiver's fault. It's the receiver's fault if he drops the ball. That I will completely agree with. But if the read's not there, like if he's pushed off his route, which is the whole point of bump and run coverage, or if it's raining, he slips, you got to change your reads. you got to improvise. Justin Fields is one of the fastest quarterbacks in college football. Roll out. Do something. Get improvised. That's what makes you a national champion. And to me – Savannah, I, I, I get what you're saying that, like, yes, if the receiver was open, that's a catch. But the problem is he wasn't. So it should have been on fields to change the direction of the play and make a secondary read instead of just throw the ball to a spot, which shows a lack of development in, in, inside the offense. Right. And no, I mean, I agree. That's totally right. He should have switched things up. But the thing is, when you're having a game winning drive and you have no timeouts and you have literally 20 seconds on the clock, you like you can't just like check down. You can't run. You can, you don't have timeouts like it's going to be very hard to get to the sideline with the type of defense that you're playing. You check down. They're not going to get out. They're not going to get out. You run. You're probably not going to get out. You're just wasting time like the whole they were on maybe I don't know like the 30 at that point like you have to throw it downfield and he was the only receiver that was downfield they literally obviously designed that play for that he was the first option he should have been the only option he should have ran the right route it's on Justin Fields but it's also on Alave it just makes me so mad you you could change stuff you go to other you go to other receivers but that was the smartest that was the smartest option they would have ran out of time no matter where else that they went, it probably they probably would not have got out of bounds. So it's bad play calling then. Yes, it's it's one or the other. It's either court, it's on the quarterback or the head coach, unfortunately. And this is why you know like the better coach and the better quarterback won. That's what it comes down to. Because Lawrence, when there was no guys open, breaks a 66-yard touchdown run, which is the most awkward Shaggy from Scooby-Doo escaping a ghost-looking run I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> It was on a play where basically, like, he made the read. There was nobody within even a single shot of being open. So um, Lawrence takes off and runs. So 
what I guess what I'm saying is like I was never really sold on Justin Fields to begin with. I've said this all year, and you guys have t- I've said this, and the game proved it. J.K. Dobbins is the most dominant offensive player on that team. That man was single-handedly gashing Clemson, and it was insane. I'm like, all right, this guy's draft stock is shooting up higher than a bottle rocket right now. And also on defense, I would have liked to see a little more dominance out of Chase Young, but you know, you can't have everything. And he's still going to be a top five pick regardless of like what a team's need is. But yeah, honestly, this game though, it was the two the two best teams won on Saturday because Clemson would put up more. Well, I think would put up more of a fight against LSU because they've you know, when like I said before, quarterback and coaching can negate a lot of issues on a team, and Clemson still has a good defense. The one thing I was worried about Ohio State all year was not the running game, not the receivers, not their defense. It was head coaching and quarterback play. I think Ryan Day is going to be a great head coach in a year or two. He's going to be right back next year because that big tw- he's going to own that Big Ten for the next 10 years. But here's the problem. He's got to – this is his first head coaching game. He's really got to work on getting his own play calling style. And at the same time, Justin Fields needs another year to kind of cook in the quarterback oven a little bit. He showed his in his immaturity with decision making, and I think that's what killed him. Simple as that. All right, we've exhausted college football enough. We'll uh, pick the games during our picks segment. But as we so everyone's favorite game, so let's get rocking and rolling here, guys. One sentence game, week 17 edition, the final edition of the regular season. Let's go. Falcons, Bucks. Oh, Jameis, your career started on a pit. Your 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 first throw in Tampa was a pick six, and this season ended with a pick six. Oh, the poetry. Kev, he didn't get the interception record, but Jameis still made history, joining the thirty for thirty club. <laughs> the only player to ever do it. I saw a meme today. It was basically, oh crap, somebody's gonna catch it. It's just Jameis throwing the football, and I just was like, that is so true, and it's kind of terrifying. Savannah, what is your one sentence on the Falcons and Bucks? Jameis is literally the – he was the passing champion. He had, like, over 5,000 yards, and then he throws 30 interceptions. I mean, if you throw the ball enough times downfield, you're sure to get 5,000 yards. Also, in Bruce Arians' offense, if you don't get at least 4,000 yards passing, you are awful. Bruce Arians' offense is basically chuck the ball as far as you can downfield. Uh, This offense, remember, made Mike Wallace a dangerous receiver back in the day. So, there you go. Uh, Dolphins and Patriots. Oi. Brian Flores, uh, that that Dolphins team, they're going to be dangerous next year. They just need some pieces. Kev? I don't want to talk about it. Fair enough. <laughs> Savannah? <laughs> Fifth Magic does it again. All right. All righty. Bears and Vikings. <laughs> Vikings. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you lose to the Bears? They rested all their starters. I know, but, like, still, it's the Bears? Mitch Trubisky's like the Twinkie of quarterbacks. <sighs> Kev? The Bears are committed to Mitch in 2020. What? So they should just drug test that entire front office. 
Also, side note, the scoring breakdown of this game is hysterical. Chicago Bears scored five points in the second quarter. They didn't score more than they didn't track double digit scoring in any of the quarters. They went six, five, seven, and three. That's the most Chicago Bears scoring of a game ever. All right. Chargers and Chiefs. I was getting to it. Okay. Um, no surprises here. Next. Kev. Is Patrick Mahomes too old to play football? Apparently all these great quarterbacks are on the backside of their careers, and he went 174 for one touchdown one pick. I think he's over the hill. <laughs> the, sarca- the sarcasm is just bleeding out of his set- that sentence. Savannah? My Super Bowl pick. Just a phenomenal season. You, you got off to a, a sprinting start with us, didn't you? <laughs> hey, they beat the Packers, though. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the Packers, Packers-Lions. Oh, my Lord, if the Packers lost this game. David Blau. What a bo- – that's that dude – that man just – oh, man. He, he's got – he might have a future as, like, a solid backup in this league because they were, like – also, Danny Dimes, the real Danny Dimes, Danny Amendola. Is Danny Amendola the best quarterback on the Lions roster? <laughs> Maybe. He's still better than Mr. Trubisky. Great. Savannah? Uh, I was frantic this whole game. This whole game. Literally. Understandable. Right. It's just, do you know the Packers, both times that they played the Lions, led for like zero minutes and like zero seconds? Both times we played them, we've won on game-winning field goals. That's rivalry football for you. Is Aaron Rodgers on the backside of his career? Yes, <laughs> big time. He he's he's he went up. He's at, he, he was at the top of the roller coaster and he's aggressively going downhill fast. All right, hey. it is a shame though. The Packers did ruin his prime. Yes, because he had the talent to be a top five all time quarterback, but the Ted Thompson basically said no. Brett's better. I'm 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 staying loyal to Brett. Um. Browns and Michael Jordan of NFL um, GMs. Oh, shit. No one's touching my man's legacy. We're going to trade anyone who might help him do that. (laughs) Basically. Um, The the Ohio Bowl. Basically, a a football game that just screamed incompetence. Basically, the Bengals won. That's my sentence. Bengals decided they already locked up the number one overall pick. They might as well win another game. (laughs) <laughs> also lol browns <laughs> yeah i think the browns have just given up at this point you know what's really sad think of the millions of people who are idiots enough to pick the browns or super bowl, super bowl team oh, <laughs> oh my god vegas made a freaking killing on that one savannah i'm surprised you didn't make your sentence yikes cody 
All right. Saints and Panthers. Think somebody was a little pissed off? Yikes. Whew. Kev? The Panthers need to just blow it up completely. Trade everyone but McCaffrey. Jesus, sounds like the guy who has McCaffrey in our Madden League. Just blow up the team. Just just start over. Savannah? Are the Saints really good or yes. the Panthers just really bad? Saints are really good. Saints are really good. They are probably – they. I think not getting home field, is, at least for the first two rounds, is going to – be a problem, but they're still going to win a game or two in the postseason. Oh, yeah. they're. I think they're going to win the first game. But they have 11 games with 30 or more points this season, which is like the most in the NFL. So, yeah, they're definitely good. I answered my own question. They also play the NFC. They also play the NFC South. Hey, they lost to Atlanta. Yeah, that's not a positive point. I know. I, I know. I'm contradicting I, the point. <laughs> you're not contradicting my point. I basically say they play the NFC South, which basically means it's like the Big 12. Just just start throwing the ball down the field. You'll hit a target. <clears throat> uh, Jets and Bills. Um, yeah, this game happens. Next. Like, it's 13 to 6. Are you kidding me? Like, I, 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 the Bills just didn't care. They knew they had the number one wild card spot locked up, so they didn't give a, they didn't give a crap. <clears throat> Good for Matt Barkley for still being in the NFL. <laughs> you can't. He's like a cockroach. You can't kill him. Chip Kelly and Arizona both tried. They couldn't do it. He's inevitable. Uh, Savannah. Uh, I can't believe that the Jets locked up Le'Veon Bell for another three years. Hmm. Did you guys see um, Adam Gase's press conference about that? Yes, that's exactly why I said that. That's why I was thinking about that. For that's those who didn't, he said, they asked, like, oh, do you want Le'Veon Bell on your team going forward? He said, that's not my decision. Ask the personnel guy. I mean, he's not wrong, but that's not a good look. That's um, not what you want your coach to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that's what I'm saying. But, like, if – this team, they basically were like, yeah, you're going to run the day-to-day, we run personnel. That's the GM basically told him the hiring. It's not like uh, Belichick where he runs the whole show or, you know, back when Chip Kelly blew up the Eagles. Um, Cardinals and Rams. The Rams avoided mediocre the, 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 the Jason Garrett mediocrity number. I think it went um, – also the Cardinals. Probably the best 5-10 and in one team I've seen in a long time. They don't lose by a lot. They lose by very little. Is the NFL's Wonder Boy overrated? I think yes. yes. Kyler Murray? Mm. No, Sean McVay. Oh, Sean McVay. Oh, no, I've been – dude, I, I, I've been putting dirt on his grave for months. I'm the leader of that pack. Yeah, he was like a one-and-done type of thing. I've basically been saying since like week six, and Savannah, you gave me crap about this, that the Rams are going to be crap this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing the Irish jig on the Rams' grave right now. So, still bitter that Mark Barron took a cheap shot at once, but we're going to talk, we're going to, we'll move on. We won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, 
Well, Savannah, he won a Super Bowl after Wentz went down. It's almost like he's not a good quarterback. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Didn't it take Aaron to have an elite defense to win a Super Bowl, Savannah? It took most quarterbacks an elite defense to win a Super Bowl. No, we have basically the same defense, and uh, ours sucked. So basically, there you go. Uh, Cardinals and oh wait, no, you still do. Cardinals and Rams, Savannah. Uh, I'm really sorry that the Cardinals couldn't win this game because the Rams are just they're bad. They're they're nine and seven, but they're bad. Mm. They had like one good game against Seattle. The Cardinals are the best five and ten team we've ever seen, and the Rams are the worst nine and seven team we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Eagles Giants. This game gave me a heart attack for about three quarters, and then Boston Scott happened. Also, the Giants just love injuring Eagles players. I swear to God. Every time. I think the training staff's on the Giants' payroll. <clears throat> Kev? I, I don't even know what to say. Eagles NFC East champs? Ooh, 9-7 record, NFC champs. Let's go. You should fear Somehow. us, Anna. You should still fear us. You guys got smacked by us with what, no secondary. What do you mean? You lo- we lost by six points because of two non-call DPIs. They basically had me and Kevin playing corner. What do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Also, though, the Pompera Panthers could have won the fucking NFC South or East this year. Shout out to my high school. <laughs> uh, Savannah. What? I said mine. Oh, you said yours already, yeah. The disrespect (laughs) I'm getting is ridiculous. Raiders Broncos, welcome to the Drew Luck Show, the electric factory. Guy was rapping to put on on the sideline. That is like everything in my life right now. He's so white, it's so funny. Derek Carr threw for almost 400 yards and one touchdown. What the hell? Because they like because the Raiders like to cough up a ball all the time. I know, but like he didn't have any picks, so it's not, I'm just confused how you can get 391 yards and not get at least two touchdowns. Well, uh, damn John Gruden is my uh, and because they could have tied the game, went in overtime, but they just had to go for two, go out with a bang, or they went out with a loss. Yeah. All right. Colts and Jags. Yeah. Both teams are just like trying to get that season over with. Oh, by the way, uh, strange stat. The Jaguars are 7-0 all time in week 17 at home. Because usually, you know, they're not in the playoffs. But Are you, are you coming in on my... Weird shit segment, Jared. Wow, <laughs> that, was that your stat? No, but okay. still, that's it's a very weird stat. No, I just I saw it come across the ticker, and I was like, oh, wow, that's odd and interesting. All right, Kev, Colts, Jags. Is Gardner Minshew the truth? His his mustache is the truth. Yes. <laughs> hey, if, As he one man, if he doesn't, if that NFL thing doesn't pan out. He has a great career ahead of him as a porn star in 1975. 
I mean, Gardner Minshew's mustache is the truth. From a man with a great mustache to another man with a great mustache, I appreciate it. Savannah, Colts, Jags. What the hell happened to Jacoby Brissett? Like, he was this, like, oh, next Andrew Luck, like, taking the team to the playoffs to almost a dud. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was looking for somebody who actually had that take. I can't find anybody. What? You really think at the beginning of the season when their team was rolling that he wasn't going to take them to the playoffs? Yes, quarterback play is basically what drives this league. And I said, I basically put a nail in their coffin after week five. I said that their win over San Diego meant like LA meant nothing. Because they, they win games ugly, and that tells you all you need to know about the quarterback play. And they have weapons. It's not like they're throwing the ball to practice squad guys or like, you know, old men. They're throwing the ball to T.Y. Hilton. They're handing it off to Marlon Mack. They can score points. It's just they don't. Frank Reich is a great head coach, but Jacoby Brissett is a good backup. He's a great – he's probably the best backup in the league, but they need a quarterback next year if they want to do anything because they're wasting that roster if they don't. Chris Ballard is probably the best GM in football, so uh, they'll fix it. I think Bridgewater is the best backup. Okay, fine. I'll give uh, I'll give uh, Mr. Brissett the number two slot there. Oh, all right, Titans and Texans, all aboard the Henry train. <laughs> Next stop, rushing title. AJ McCarron did some things. Was Catherine Webb in the stand? Maybe I don't know. Was- I didn't see the uh, commentators make any creepy comments about her, so oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, I, was it, were we like, like I was like thirteen or fourteen when that happened? I think it was twenty twelve. Yeah, I was thirteen. No, 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 no. Wow, I was nine, seventeen. Yikes, my brain's not working. All right, Savannah, Titans, Texans. I'm just I I just feel like I don't I don't know I honestly I'm just I don't know I have nothing to say about this game other than I love Derrick Henry. We are the corner booth, the official starter of the Derrick Derrick Henry fan club. Other than Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football, because I feel like he rides his uh all the time. But other than him, nah, Kevin's been riding the Derrick Henry fan club since Alabama, so. I just hopped on the I just hopped on riding shotgun last year when he basically got me almost to the playoffs <clears throat> after I started 0 5 in fantasy. Oh by the way guys, I won my I won the title. Let go. Um uh Redskins and Cowboys. Cowboys scored the most points they scored all year. And it didn't mean Jack. Gotta love it. <laughs> Kev. I have no idea what to think of Dak Prescott. At worst, he's a competent game manager. And for the first couple years of career, that was also his best. Now he's throwing 300 yards and four touchdowns. Yes, it's the Redskins, but what the hell? Dak Prescott is an enigma. Savannah? I... Certainly hope that Ron Rivera can help Dwayne Haskins grow. I mean, I know he didn't play in this game, but all I want is for him to be this great quarterback. 
So I hope he can do that. I hope he can do a that. Little LSU a little OSU love there, Savannah? Yes, clearly. All right. Ravens and Ravens and Steelers. My boy RG3 back in action. <laughs> are the Ravens that good or are the Steelers that bad? Um, Duck Hodges is just that bad. Fair enough. Boy, the Steelers do miss Ben, Big Ben, don't they? It's not going to matter in the end. The Steelers are going to be a 9-7, 10-16 until Big Ben retires. Because they have to deal with Baltimore and the rest is getting better and better AFC. Uh, and the nightcap, 49ers, Seahawks. Uh, wow, that was a great ending. Also, for everyone else to complain about pass interference, like... They still, like, got a false start on the one-yard line. So, yeah. The game. Is that what you're talking about on, on Seattle? Oh, the delay of the game. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, that was just, that was just yeah they got a delay of the game on the one-yard line. I have no sympathy. See, 49ers win. That's just, that's bad organizational skills between Carroll and Russell Wilson. If they, they don't know what time it was on the play clock. So, can't... They don't have to worry about handing off the ball at the one if they just get a delay a game and have to pass it anyway. <laughs> the conspiracy sticks. Savannah? I mean, the 49ers goal line stand, like, or fourth down, like, stand was, like, phenomenal. But why in the hell do you throw the ball to someone that's not in the end zone on fourth down? When so you, you don't throw a pick to a safety in the middle? Okay. <laughs> Decision-making. Basically, he's the only open guy. Makes sense. It's either throw the ball or take a sack. I, I, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the best read, but that, that was all that was open. Um, all right. That was our fight. I mean, no, I think we could do one-sentence games for the, uh, for the playoffs. They're going to be a lot shorter, but maybe we'll combo with the picks. But uh, here we go. It's time for picks, boys and girls. I mean, I could crack open my Hydro Flask. It's got, like, water in it, but it's not going to be the same. All right, here we go. Wild card weekend. Actually, wait, no, Kev, what day is the the playoff game? Is the college football final on Monday? No, that's, like, January 13th. Wow, they really pushed it back this year. Yeah, it was, like, two weeks. Um, Monday, January 13th. Yeah, well, wow. oh, yeah, it's okay. So we're not even going to... Pick the game this week. There's no point. So, yeah. So, we're just going to go straight to the playoffs. So, let's get it started. The I love the Saturday games on the playoffs because they're always so entertaining every year. Uh, Bills-Texans, the five and the four game. Kev, we got the Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Exactly. Savannah, who you got? I'm picking the Bills as well. Somebody's got dropped on the table. All right. I am taking the Buffalo Bills. And it's clean sweep for all of us here. But here is why. 
Uh, it's not Deshaun Watson. It's not DeAndre Hopkins. It's not even their defense. Actually, partially it's their secondary. But J.J. Watt will be back, which is cool. But um, it's not going to matter. Bill O'Brien has shown he cannot win the first. He cannot win the playoffs. He basically can get his team through a crappy division with a extremely talented quarterback and a and an a, a all-time talent wide receiver and a pretty good defensive line front seven and basically just completely just in the playoffs. They're good enough to win a first round game, but they won't basically. And also Sean McDermott's clearly a better coach. So yeah, I, that is why we are all clean sweep on, on Buffalo, Tennessee and new England, Kevin, I'm making you go last. Cause I know it's going to be killing you. Savannah, who you got? Tennessee Patriots. Um, I'm going with the Titans. I think that I think that the Titans are on a roll right now. I think that they look really good. They're the stronger team. Uh, clearly, Patriots' defense is way better, but they have Derrick Henry. Their Patriots' offense are, is in a slump. The team doesn't isn't performing as they should. I know it's the playoffs. I know they're at home. Like it's a different story with Tom Brady in the playoffs and blah blah, but. I still got to go with the Titans. I think they're going to come out blazing. The Patriots are going to try to come back, and it's just going to be a little too late. I have the Patriots. Um, Derrick Henry is going to run all over the Patriots' defense, but it's going to come down to when the Patriots get up by a touchdown or a couple field goals, can Ryan Tannehill get the ball downfield? He's a good quarterback. He's probably right now a top 15 quarterback in this league. 16, 17 at the lowest because he had a great season. But do you trust him to throw the ball into that buzzsaw they call the Patriots secondary? I do not. I think it's going to be a very close game. 20 to 16 is the final. So, wait, so you took Patriots, right? Me? Yeah, no, you took Tennessee. Crap. Tennessee. Yeah, my, my, I'm like, I was listening to your explanation and then thinking of mine and I just completely, like, missed your pick. Kev? Okay, first off, Titans, not on a roll. They won the last game after losing two straight, beat three bad teams, a good team, and lost by 10 to the Panthers. They can't, outside the Chiefs game, they can't beat teams that are above 500. The Browns don't count. They only won six games this year. Titans aren't that good. Derrick Henry's a monster, but people are saying... You know, the dynasty's over. The Patriots suck. They've been saying that for five years. Yeah. Great quarterbacks step up in the playoffs. I don't care that it's snowing. Last time the Patriots played the Titans in the snow, Brady threw for seven touchdowns and a half, and they won 59 nothing. I remember that game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like that. Carry but I count. think the Patriots are going to step up. Their offense is going to figure it out. Sony Michelle's been doing well lately. Pats win it. All righty. Now we go to the NFC, which ironically is all on su- Sunday. Um, the uh, the Minneapolis Miracle, even though it's in New Orleans this time, rematch. Vikings and Saints. I think this is pretty obvious. Uh, Saints by a mile. Uh, the Vikings, yes, they sat a lot of their starters, but Kirk Cousins. It isn't a primetime game, which has me thinking maybe is. That maybe they got a shot here. I don't know. Kirk Cousins really hasn't played in the playoffs yet, so it's going to be. The Saints are over 500. True. I think it's going to be a close game, like closer than the Saint the uh, Saints want it to be. But the Saints are still going to win by at least 10 points. It won't be a blowout though. 
Kev? I have the Saints. You can't beat them at the Superdome. They're going to nickel and dime them down the field with Michael Thomas. And I think uh, Taysom Hill is going to have a not a big game by usual standards, but for him, I think he's probably going to make some big plays when they need it. Fair enough. Savannah, Vikes, Saints. Yeah, I got to go with the Saints, too. They're 6-1 and one at home in the playoffs with Payne as the coach. Uh, Drew Brees in the playoffs, amazing. Michael Thomas is going to run all over the, uh, the Vikings' defense, even though they're a strong, they're a strong defense. But Kirk they, can't Cousins, cover, they can't cover Mike Thomas. No, yeah, it's almost impossible. He had like what, like seventeen hundred yards this season? Uh, fifteen something. But um, something close. Whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. No. 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 You. No. It's fine. It's. It, he had a ton of. He led the league receiving yards and broke the receptions record. But yeah. what I was saying is that the Vikings secondary struggled covering guys downfield this year, and that's basically asking for disaster against these t- uh, Saints. Yeah. Saints win. Yeah. Finally. The game that's going to give me heart palpitations, anxiety, and probably make me yak a couple times. Eagles, Seahawks in Philly. Eagles are two and a half point dogs at home. Kev? I, it depends. Uh, some people might pick the Seahawks. I think it's the scene is kind of dumb that the Seahawks went 11 and 5 and then have to travel across the country. But if all the Eagles players play, Lane Johnson was out this week. Zach Ertz was limited. Miles Sanders was out. I think if they can all play and be effective, it'll be the Eagles. I think the Seahawks aren't as dominant as they used to be. The the link is going to be a madhouse, basically. And I think the travel is going to kill the Seahawks. So I'm going to bet on it. All those Eagles players are going to play. It's the playoffs. you got to play hurt. Eagles. Savannah, what is your pick for... Seattle and Philadelphia. I got to look at like which team has like the upper hand on each side. So like I believe that Philadelphia has a little bit of a better defense, but I think that the quarterback and like kind of receiving wise, you have to go with Seattle. I think Seattle can, when they, they can have great momentum and like they I don't know how to say this, like burst out, like they have this great offensive playing. I don't know. I, I know. I, I don't know how to word it, but I think that their offense is going to outplay Philly's defense. So I got to go with Seattle. All right. So now if you ask me about this, I, I a couple, about four weeks ago after we lost them, after the Eagles lost to Miami, I basically st- said it's on Philly show some pride either win out or go home there's no there's no alternative you have to win all four games and go home there's no like you know lose to the Giants but Dallas loses like that's not acceptable um and I challenged Philadelphia every single week on this podcast and they rose to the challenge this is Carson Wentz's first playoff game yes he's taking on a team that he has not beaten and Seattle is a very has a very good offense, but they struggle on defense. Um, Miles Sanders is playing, so is uh, Lane Johnson should be back. So should uh, Jalen Mills. They're getting a lot of guys back. Philadelphia's getting health at the right time. Yes, they don't have Brandon Brooks, and yes, they won't get Zach Ertz back till at least next week. Deuce trying to put a lacerated kidney. That is by itself shows a t- uh, 
stupidity and toughness that I rarely ever see. But Seattle has Russell Wilson, top three quarterback, good receiving core. Not great, but good. They're all gadget guys. And they have Pete Carroll, very experienced, won a Super Bowl. But when I come down to it, Philadelphia is a home dog. Nobody even thought they'd be here. Now, if they lose the season with all the injuries and everything that's gone on, everything that's happened, will it suck? Yeah. But it will still be considered a similar success of a season after what the hell they had to go through in that in the season, if I'm looking forward to if I'm looking at it. But you don't make the playoffs to just get in. And I got Philadelphia. And it's simply the fact is that four straight wins, they've found a new identity of Carson keeping the game winnable and making clutch throws when he needs to, allowing Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, and whatever the third running back they rotate in, either it's Holyfield or uh, Jordan Howard or whoever, to kind of dominate along with Goddard and what other other weapons they have. They found some good weapons. Greg Ward's become a very solid receiver, and Dallas Goddard has proven he is a very, very good tight end. That in the fact that Eagles defense is getting healthy, and their pass first looked great the last three weeks. I have Philadelphia. It's going to be close as hell. It's going to be like Philly Chicago last year, maybe not the double doink, but I think the fact that it's in Philadelphia, not because Russell Russell Wilson's East Coast record, whatever, a Philadelphia playoff game is just something else. Like Kevin said, the house can it's gonna be a zoo. For that reason and the fact that there's just so much riding on Philadelphia's side here, and also the fact that New Orleans just lost a extremely tough game. Now, it's Russell Wilson, so that dude just shakes off pressure like it's his job. But I'm not so sure about the rest of the team. Also, I want to know about Clowney's health. So, if I'm looking at the team, if I'm going to, this is my ballsy pick of the week. This is my, if I was going to take this up, that this is Philly. Philly's got it. Philly's winning this game. And if not, this is the, this is the season. But I'm challenging him again because they ha- they can win this game and they will win this game. So, there you go. That wasn't I'm not even talking about fan bias at this point. This is just a team that got hot and yes, all their games were ugly against bad opponents except for Dallas, and even Dallas isn't that great anymore. Um but they only lost to Seattle by seven in the pouring rain with no weapons at all. It was basically Ertz Goddard and that's it. Jordan Howard's injured, Miles Sanders is shelving what he is now, and they didn't have Greg Ward yet or any of these guys who have now have a good chemistry with Wentz. So to me, um and that Philly defense was missing half the pieces, and they still kept Russell to 17 points, and one of them was trick play. To me, that just says it all right there. Uh, with that in mind, Kevin, you got some yes. one set, you got some weird stuff for us. I do. I couldn't pick one because there were a lot of weird stuff going on lately. Taco Fall number six in All Star voting. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady having more playoff wins than the other quarterbacks combined. So I decided to go way back and talk about dominance by a conference in college football. Do you guys know who won the first national championship in college, or who was the first national champion? Wasn't it like Princeton? It was Princeton, 1869. Do you know the first non-Ivy League team to win a national championship? 
Notre Dame? No, Michigan in 1901. Wow. There was a national champion every year between those two. It was not like there was a gap. So the Ivy League won 31 consecutive national champ or had 31 consecutive national champions because there wasn't a national championship game, which is the most dominant run by any conference. And Yale football is still in the top five of most wins by a program in history. Says it all right there, because the Ivy League back then was where it all started. So, yep. Yeah. All right. So last call today, uh, folks, is about a – we'll kick that smooth jazz. It's about a quarterback in the Pac-12, whose name I pronounced horribly all year. And I still can't remember. It's, Hebrew, it's I think it's Herbert, right? Yay, Jared learned how to read. It's Justin Herbert. No, because there was a, there was a, people who went to my school, a guy I played against, their name was spelled that way, and it was pronounced Hebrew. Uh, kid with hell of a wide receiver. Anyway, so Justin Hebert last night, Herbert, sorry, took a huge deficit against Wisconsin in a epic Rose Bowl and basically threw the team on his back and won the game 28-27. And, you know, you're hearing all today about, you know, there's still everyone's talking about 2-0 with the signing and Joe Burrow, he's, you know, leading the most dominant college football team we've seen in a while. But I think everyone should start paying attention to Justin Herbert a lot more. I've been I've been riding on this guy for the best quarterback, like being a sleeper in this class for a while. I say he was going to be the number one overall pick like two years ago, even when he was a freshman. I loved this kid on film. Mark said I was an idiot. Remains to be seen. Uh, no, we know you are. No, I'm just not right yet. That's my quote on this on this damn website, and it's still true to this day. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm not talking about Justin Herbert. I just mean in general. Love you too, buddy. Ah, Justin Herbert has comparable arms to Trevor Lawrence, comparable mobility, maybe not comparable hair. He's not going to beat, nobody's going to be Trevor Lawrence coming out. Like, the drop off between him and Justin Fields next year's class is like drop jumping off of Everest to Mount Washington. It's just, it's a lot. But. Justin Herbert this year is going to be a guy who's going to have a lot of people talking because he has a better arm than Joe Burrow. His accuracy may be spotty, but that can be worked on. It's a maturity factor. Also, his raw athletic talent and his leadership clearly shown in that game last night. So I guess my point is maybe these guys just stop skipping bowl games because if he, he, Herbert could easily skip that bowl game and been, you know, mid-15, 16 pick whatever i mean he had a, he had no he had a pretty uh, good pac-12 championship game but he played and the whole word on on radio shows today and over twitter is that like his draft stock just shot up like a rocket after that performance because like i said before it was about the same thing with uh same thing with uh, trevor lawrence about his intangibles like some quarterbacks just don't have the the the, the uh the guts to you know come back being down three touchdowns and put the team on their back or four touchdowns or being in the biggest game of his life to date and basically say, hey, I'm going to take over run for a 66-yard touchdown. So I guess to me, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm really starting to take the driver's seat of the Justin Her- Herbert fan, fan wagon right now. I really want to see this kid go somewhere special. Hopefully San Diego, I mean, slash LA, you know, maybe in a year or two start slinging the ball downfield to Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen. But, you know, that's uh, my last call today. Anything else for you two? I think Justin Herbert is not a good thrower. He should convert to running back or wide receiver. 
All right, that about wraps it up today for the Corner Booth. I'm Jared. That's Kev. That's Savannah. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy the playoff football and enjoy the new year. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.